and we are so excited. Thank you for all the love in season one, and we're really excited for season two. It's going to be good. Doug and I took a full day to think about what we want to cover, what we want to talk about, what guests we want to have on. One full day. That's all we. You that's know, all it took. That's all you the get. Brilliance. is one full day. It's just you just need me for one day. The brilliance <laughs> that comes from me. Just kidding. We're so excited that you guys are here for season two. Season one was amazing. Uh, we always wanted to start a podcast. It's such a great way to get our ideas out there. It's such a great way for us to start to have you see the things that um, that we care about in the infertility community, more mental health, more resilience, and slowly building that in community. And we're grateful for this platform and yes. for you um, just being here with us to hear these ideas and start to implement them into, into your life, into your journey of infertility. And we're excited to keep doing that in season two. Yes. Season two is jam-packed. It's going to be jam-packed, jam-packed, um, jam-packed with just some great guests. Doug and I have took a lot of time to think about this season and think about what we want to do, what we want to talk about and really hone in our voice and our mission. And so we're really excited. Since we've been gone. Since we've been gone. Since we've been gone. There's been a, you know, it, this, what a crazy time of life and what a crazy season that we're in. We're still in the midst of the coronavirus. We record yes. this podcast from Southern California yep. uh, and Southern California is incredibly hit by the pandemic. Yep. Uh, we're all on a pretty much stay at home order. So yep. we will let, we'll just be here in our office piping this out to the world. Hopefully you guys enjoy it uh, yep. while, while we're trying to all figure out how to go through infertility treatments live our daily lives, get food, go to the grocery store, all while on lockdown. Yep. Any Enneagram 7s are dying like me, just being in their house? <laughs> Always. I think all Enneagram 7s are dying. Yeah, right I, all Enneagram. If you, if, just look it up, and then you'll see if you are that. <laughs> all Enneagram 7s are, are trying to do like Zoom games, and, or, or is it's that terrible. just a horrible? If you're an Enneagram 7, what is it that gives you energy? Things to look forward to, plans, and being around people. So, so I'm just, my soul is just <laughs> shrinking, just shrinking into oblivion. And all you get is me every all I day get is you with no plans, <laughs> with no plans and two kids that are looking at me for plans and I can't tell them any plans. So my plan is like, let's go walk down the street. <laughs> Woo! Sad. Sometimes I think about once the world goes back to normal, how insane I'm not going to be, be home. I know, but think about how insane it's going to be. Every person who's wanted to go to a concert Every venue that's been like dying to open Can again. Can you imagine what concerts could charge for concerts? I keep thinking about, I, I've never been, but think of like, think about what Coachella is going to be like. It's, yeah. Coachella is normally insane or like Burning Man. Some of these like ridiculous festivals out in the desert. They're not ridiculous, but yeah. big, big festivals out in the desert are going to be insane. There's going to be more people. Are gonna, people. people are going to live there for like three months. Yes, yeah, never go home. <laughs> it's going to be like four years of Coachella. I'm going to make our schedule so packed that you're begging me to go home to be like, no, I need I to go I home. I, I need to go home. I, I need to rest. Every hotel is just going to be booked forever. Yep. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be cray cray. And it will be exciting. Yep. But we just have to make it through this time. And That's we true. hope this podcast helps. We yes. hope this podcast helps you make it through quarantine. Yep. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Making it through quarantine. <laughs> Okay, today... We have an exciting topic today. Yeah. We do. I think it's going to be really good. Doug and I already started talking on the way here about this, and when we were like, stop, we just need to save it for the cast. We are kicking off our season two Infertility Feelings podcast with the topic of infertility and... Relationships. So many people go through infertility in relationship, yes. all sorts of different types of relationship. Generally, you're going through with one person, and you know you are fighting to grow your family. That's generally what's going on and 
it's an incredibly interesting thing to go through with someone because it's an incredibly stressful process. It's an overwhelming process. Uh, and as you go, th- go through it with someone, you have to take into, s- you have to take someone else into the equation as you go through this whole thing. Which it's sucks. crazy. It's really hard. Yes. So it's really, really hard. Infertility and relationships. and relationships. Here we go. Infertility and relationships. It is extremely hard to be in a relationship and struggle with something um, and then have, you know, you struggle together. How do you do that? Um, so we're going to talk about it. Doug, why is it so hard to be struggle with infertility and be in relationship? That's a great question. And I think it does make it harder for some reason. You know, I, I think going through struggles in a relationship are good. Like going through something yeah. difficult when you have people around you is good. Mm-hmm. It, that actually is like in a lot of ways your secret weapon of how you get through difficult things is you reach out to people and they help carry you through things. But I think going through infertility specifically with with your like the partner who's experiencing it with you can actually be harder sometimes because it adds another layer of difficulty that you didn't don't normally have because it's not like a completely separate bystander. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I'm going through something really difficult. Like I got fired from my job or something. Right. And, and I'm it's look- only kind of affecting you. Kind yeah. Of. And I'm looking to you like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Can you and help me? I had me? this difficult conversation and right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they're, they're experiencing it too, but in a different way. So it's, it's like, it's like you both got fired from your jobs. Right. It makes me think, um, when you're dating or when you're, you know, when you're getting together as a couple, um, having kids is a conversation that you have. It's a conversation we had. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and for a lot of people, it's one of those classic deal breaker conversations, yes, right? Right. Like, right. you know, there's like, you know, you're hanging out with your friends. You're like, I met this person. They're really great. But they don't want to have kids. They don't want to have kids. And like, ah, it's a deal breaker, right. you know? Right. Or they're like, they do what they want to have four kids. And I want to have four kids. It's like, right. it's so perfect. Right. Um, and it makes me think like, it's part of, the reason why we get together maybe with someone is we're aligned on our vision for the future. Right. Like the type of the, how many kids we and want. And most people are aligned on their values and it's like, this is yeah, one of the values lot, in life. There's lots of other deal breakers yeah. like, Oh, he's, you know, uh, Rob's bank. Rob's banks. It's out for me. It's a flag. No, for me, that's an in. Immediate <laughs> in right? Like that's a, if they're not a bank robber, deal breaker. Right. Um, no, it's it. So I think there's that there's that that part to it. And I think that's what I come came back to a lot, even personally in my life, which made it more difficult. Was I think I always had in the back of my head like, oh my gosh, is this like Beth's deals off now? Or I did you really think that? Not real. I mean, it was the fear was there. I think that it was lumped into the bigger bigger thing of like, is our life over? Like, the, I mean, I was right. like kind of <laughs> that sounds drastic, but. I mean, if you've gone through infertility or if you know someone going through right. it, that is how serious it feels. Right. It feels like, is this just over? Like, remember, should I we just o- shake our hands and walk away and be like, that was a good try. Yeah. All right, like, bye. I remember, remember we always talked about like, should we just like just blow up our life and move to a bigger, a right. big city and just kind of like live almost like live a completely different life. Yeah. Because what we were, what we what got we building, together. Yeah, yeah. What we were building didn't end up working out, you know, or it, it didn't, it's not, didn't bloom the way we thought it was going to bloom we bought our cars for potential children we lived in a community for our potential children you know yeah it's so true yeah there's a someone that we know and love um who's experienced infertility and and that type of thing 
wrote us something one time, and mm-hmm. I thought it was so apt. Mm-hmm. They said that the, yeah, the, the job they got, the car they bought, the church that they went to, all those the community things, they live the in. community that like they had built their life in a way where they could pour kids into it. Right. And I would say we were the same thing. Totally. You know? And Not even realizing it, almost. Without, yeah, but it, but again, like it was part of the the reason we got together, I guess, or not the reason, but it was it was all part of this package, like right. this, like okay, deals on. We want to have kids together. We want to have a big family. We want to be <coughs> young parents, and then that didn't happen. So going through infertility together, and inter- then and then, well, sorry to interrupt you, but then when you've built your community, built your car, and built all this and your job, now you're surrounded by that reminder when you don't have it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's it's like you build it's you, like go you put into together that this mom puzzle. Car. Yeah, you put together a puzzle, right? And there's this one giant piece in the middle missing, and then someone goes, "Well, it, we lost it," and you're like, "Well, yeah. now I have to look at the puzzle with the piece missing every right, time." Right, right. Which is my biggest thing to make me angry is both when we're with a puzzle real piece. puzzles with and real puzzles. In real life. Exactly, <laughs> I hate that. But that's so true, and I never thought about it that way. Of like, you know, people always joke of like, mm, "I'm gonna get my mom car for my future or whatever," and now you're in that mom car. Every you're like, day. Good thing I have that third row. Good thing I have that third for row. For nothing. Oh my gosh. When we were struggling to adopt. We still again. have a third row yeah. for nothing. <laughs> hey, I carpool. I hate that okay? third row. I hate, I carpool. You better, we better carpool. Use I carpool that third every row. day. Okay. That's what I do. I carpool. Um, <laughs> that's how we get that third row going. But yeah, it's like so true. And I feel like I've thought about that before, but not so in depth of like, wow. Yeah. Like you're now you're surrounded by that reminder. It's like, having a nursery set up and a lot of times we had nurseries i mean yeah yeah specifically in the adoption of foster care world you do set up a nursery Mm -hmm. but even then i mean like people who have late-term miscarriages who get ready i mean have showers i had showers too it was terrible yeah yeah i think that i think that's the but i think specifically with the relationship i think that's the hard part for me is yeah and i know your answer is probably different but for me it was for me but looking at our relationship and going this was part of what brought us together. Is it going to be part of what sets us apart? And I think that was my worry. And I had to th- constantly think about that. You were know, you it, worried that I was going to leave you or you were going to leave me? I just worried that the whole thing was going to fall apart. Like that, mm. that what we had gotten together for our life. I was like, gosh, should we just go do something different? Right. Because the, the life we had been going for didn't end up working out because we were unable to have kids. And I don't, I don't even know the answer to that question because we actually ended up adopting and having, right. you know, doing foster care. Right. So a lot of the world that we live in does work really well with the foster kids and the, and the mm-hmm. adopted kids that we have mm-hmm. who are our kids and we love them unconditionally. Right. But if we never did have kids, I still wonder, what would we, what would we have done, you know? So I think that's the... Do you har- want me to be blunt? I, I mean, would never... Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. I would never leave you for that. Okay. That's good to hear. I would never leave you for that. I think I would be devastated. I would be so devastated. And I, but I think I could have, I don't know, come out the other side and been like, okay, this is who Doug and I are. And we have so much fun together. We're so much alike that I seriously think we probably would be home in our house like four months out of the year. Like we would just, it would just turn into Mm -hmm. something different, Yeah, you know? But like I would never have left that. It's so funny that you say that because that never crossed my mind. But it is a very common thing. Thank God. Thing. I know. Whew. <laughs> God, we made it to this point 13 <laughs> years. Um, but but I, but I, it's something that people think about. 
And I'm not saying that, that people don't think about it. I get totally. DMs all the time. I'm afraid my husband's going to leave me. I have people tell me that they've told their husbands, it's okay if you want to leave me when yeah. it's their issue. And that just always crumbles me. But I can see why. I can see why. And I, it, I yeah. think you can relate to that of like, you know, should we just call this quits and shake hands and be like, all right. So It's so, because it's goes back to that deal right. breaker thing. It's right. not... Um, like a preference of what type of house you want to live in or mm-hmm. cars you drive or school district. It's foundational to sometimes what brings us totally. together in relationship. I, I see what you're saying. We yeah. want to raise kids together. Yeah. And when that's off the table, it's like, well, is, are we back to that like moment at Applebee's where we decided we were going to have kids? <laughs> I don't uh, think we decided we it wanted norms. to have kids It was norms. It was Applebee's. It was not Applebee's. Was it norms? No, There's you know norms. where it was? I actually remember. It may have been in our car. I have this like distinct remember at... Um, remember? You have a distinct I have this remember? distinct memory of us being at... Um, oh, what's that restaurant, that guy who runs Hell's Kitchen? What's his... Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. What, did, what restaurant did Gordon Ramsay used to have? I don't know. Oh, man. This is deep memory. But wow, I was, it's so I, sad. I don't know and I don't remember this conversation. I'm, I remember having this conversation... At some like we we had gone out to like some fancy meal and we were like okay, let's talk about marriage. The future. The future. <gasps> yes. Okay. And I remember you were like, I want to get married. I want to like let's do this thing. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm hurrying. I want to too. <laughs> <laughs> so looking back now, that's so us still. I want to do it. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's start a nonprofit and but start I, a podcast <laughs> and just like do this thing. And but you're I like, okay. but I remember even then it was like a given like. And then like, let's, right. let's, let's get married young so that we can go travel and do all these fun things for a couple of years and then have kids. Right. And so especially growing up in a very conservative community, both of us, yeah. it was kind of like a no brainer. Like it's like, it, it's almost more rare to, it is more rare to say that you don't want to have kids, especially if you've grown up in that culture, but that's a podcast for another time. Yeah. So that's my, th- I think that's the, the heart behind my answer is yeah. why, why is it so difficult or what, what, what's a difficult part right. of going through infertility and relationship for me, it's that, that deal breaker that was off the table and you had agreed upon is now on the table. My first thing I would say is I think it's extremely difficult because you have two people dealing with exactly the same thing. And as a, as me, as a woman, I was so all consumed with what was going on with me, what was going on with my body. And then my doctor was telling me to be all consumed with my body. And my acupuncturist made me say, oh, I'll consume with my body. And everyone was like, your body, your body, your body. And I'm like, and then wear socks and don't drink drinks with ice. Or I don't even know if that was it or if you should have drinking drinks with ice. Like, you know, you're just all consumed by it that I think in a way for me, it made me really selfish and it made me like... I don't know if I would say selfish. That's, that's not the wrong word. That's, that's I, the wrong word. I see what you're saying where it's like you had to turn so inward, I had to inward turn so focused inward. that it was hard to pay attention to anyone else maybe? or Yeah, yeah, yes. Pay attention to anyone else and then hold their emotional state. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, like just be around anyone else and not be so self-absorbed and then, and then carry them too? No. That's just something that's so hard. And luckily... F- I don't know if I would say luckily, but for us, our really our infertility and our treatment journey was not that long. We did one IUI that failed and one IVF that failed. But I can't imagine repeat after repeat after repeat after repeat of this. Like a years of years. That, yeah. We had years of infertility where we didn't get pregnant, but our really our treatment journey was not that long. It was probably like six months long. 
That was probably uh, probably one year. One year, one year. But it was like one IUI and one IVF. So, I mean, and that's when it's really heightened, I believe. I feel like when you're in treatment, you're really heightened aware of everything going on with your body and what's going on with you. So I feel like it's just really, really, really hard. And there's no other way to say it, but this plain and simple. It's really hard to hold on to what is going on with you and your emotional state and to care for someone else's emotional state. Did I feel like a burden during that time? Not not in the, not in that like, oh my gosh, I got to care for Doug, but just like, oh, I care for him, but he's over there and I just don't have yes. space for it. Yes, sometimes I would. And then sometimes I'd be better if you didn't like join me in the, like now I'm trying to engage you emotionally and then you're like, wait, what? You haven't been trying to engage emotionally all week. And then now I'm like, okay, now I need your support. And you're like, wait, Wait, what? So it's just, and I feel like one thing that came out of our infertility, our treatment part of our journey for us was giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, we said that all the time. Yes, because I would rage on something like traffic <laughs> or stubbing my toe or you vacuuming wrong. And it would be like, I would have Me this vacuuming thing. wrong. Yes. All right. You know those things I, in relationships. I, it's not that dishwasher I'm, wrong. It's not that I'm wrong. upset that you would get a, upset. It's that you would think that I would ever vacuum. <laughs> I'm a phenomenal vacuumer. It's true. You probably <laughs> vacuumed our house ten times out of ten of me, like one time. Um, it was just an example. Um, you didn't grow up with a dishwasher. It was dishwasher. It was like you open up the dishwasher and be like, "How the hell does anyone did else he do that?" Hey, if you're on my side right now, I wash the dishes before I wash the dishes. No, it's a washing machine but you it's to me it's a sanitation mas- it's a dishwasher <laughs> it's a dish washer it washes the dishes i don't leave i don't leave like smears i just leave crumbs That's and then it does true. the job with uh, soap whatever it's a podcast for a different time so okay this is my question just follow up because i think our person this our personalities are coming through in that i'm C- contemplating the downfall of the universe and our and the relationship meaning of our relationship and you're over here taking your body temperature all the time, paying attention to all these things and watching really a show and not really having it absorb in me at all because I'm so in my head thinking yeah. about like, Oh, I have this and I have this and what well, my body is doing this and I have a cramp in my back, huh? Like all and, pr- and probably what I need from you is this like, are we okay? We're going to like, yep. no matter what we're going to, and that's like a totally different pl- spot maybe than that you were in. That I couldn't engage in. Is that what you're saying is the burden? Yes. Mm. That I couldn't engage in that. I was like, I can only see past my nose. So it's like, if you want to talk about this like back pain that I'm having, I'm all for it. But I can't talk about, <laughs> but I can't talk about like the future of our relationship. Cause I would just be like, I can't, I have so much on my plate. It's just it's a very traumatic season. Anyway, yeah. so I feel like it's just hard to, and I feel like also for us, you were a few steps behind me, I felt like. It's like you would catch up to things. You're a slow processor and I'm just an immediate processor of like, I knew we were going to an I, into IVF and knew everything that it was entail and everything it was going to take emotionally right when the doctor said we had to do it. I would be like, okay. I know what I'm gearing up for. I'm going to get my, 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 you know, suit on my suit of armor on to get ready for this and do this. And I feel like driving to, you know, our like last IVF appointment, not our egg retrieval, but one before that you were like, we're doing it. We're really <laughs> doing it. And I was like, what in the, like, where have you been? Like, what? Can you believe but, but we're I doing like, IVF? Can you believe it? Which is so you, but, but I feel well, like, I, first of all, can I just say, I didn't, when, they were like, we think you should do IUI first, then move on to IVF. I don't even, I didn't know even what know meant. what that meant. Yeah. I'm like, 
it's very freaking expensive. Is that what it stands for? <laughs> That's all I knew. That's what so, it should stand so, for. So, I mean, there was like a learning process that even had to happen before. Right. So it was like the learning process, then the existential meltdown. And then, <laughs> yeah, when we're driving there, I'm like, oh, holy crap, we're doing IVF. Right. You're like, yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the 30 shots that I've taken in my abdomen. <laughs> um, but, I, but I also feel like you were there. It just took you that long to emotionally catch up. Because you yeah. were the ones that helped me with my doing my shots and helped me do all that. Like you were there and you were in process. Yeah, I was in it. You were in it for sure. You were a great partner in it for sure. But I feel like the emotional process was much later. Mm-hmm. And I am just an emotional process all the time. You Constant. are you I are am. an emotional process. I am an emotional process. <laughs> I need that on a t-shirt. So we don't want to just explain how difficult it can be without giving you any hope. Uh, that was our personal experience. Yeah, if... if if we're talking about what it feels like to go through infertility in a relationship, we want to offer some bit of hope. We're still together. Yes. And we still love each other. <laughs> Going on 14 years. Um, and I, I think this is the hope. Wait, 13 years. 13, yeah. Wait, what do you say when you're coming up to a year? You're going on 14 years. No, you're, you're coming up to 14 years. You're going on 13 years. You're in process of 14 years. I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, we're 13 and... Six months. Right. 13 years and six months. That feels shocking. We did get married when we were eight. Yes. Um, I was eight <laughs> years old. Jesse was 10. I had to sign. My dad had to sign. Happened in we a did. boat uh, a thousand feet offshore. <laughs> um, then we had to swim back I to was, shore. Uh, That's kind of what our first year of marriage felt like <laughs> when you're eight years old and married. I'm just uh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's go in a boat and then <laughs> swim in the ocean. <laughs> That's about what it felt like. I'm actually only 14 right now. It's <laughs> shocking. Uh, but we want to oh, give you some geez. hope. We want to give you hope that there, that in your relationship um, and, and as you go through this this incredibly difficult time, there is hope for you. Um, and for me, and, and maybe this is my perspective or if your personality is like me, um, I think you have to face the big, bad, scary questions. And I, and I, don't, I don't think you should be afraid to do that. And I think that's kind of where I actually found my hope. I actually, That's where I found my, my passion to move forward was that my life could look different than what I thought it did. Mm. That was my biggest fear. The The core of my fear was I'm afraid that the, that now we've entered into this like deal breaker situation because we can't have kids. The apartment that we had gotten, the car we like this, it's not working. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. But I had to address that head on. I had to like face it and say, what am I really afraid of? I had to bring people into my life. I had to bring you into my into the conversation into mm-hmm. my life and say, what if we can't have kids? Yeah. What if this looks way different? And your response and other people, you know, building into me and, and encouraging me and saying, we believe in you. Your life can look different. You can run a nonprofit that helps other people who are in this struggle. You can uh, be a foster parent. You can do things differently. Your life can look different. And once I started to realize that, and once I started to believe in myself and believe in our relationship, actually, that's when things got way more exciting, really, because... You know, I knew the story arc of what our life was going to be if everything had kind of happened the way we thought it was going to. But then it was like, well, now we're on, you know, kind of like an adventure of what's it going to be like. And it's been great. It's been so great. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in a lot of ways, our adoption to foster care process was almost dying to the fact that we can't 
have children of our own, that our identity has to be within ourselves. For sure. It was you know not an mean? overnight overnight like, thing uh, for me where uh, I was like, oh, no. now I feel great. But it was this, it was learning to really look at the situation and, and accept and accept that what is happening may be true. Right. You know, we may only be able to have one kid. We may have no kids. And that's okay mm -hmm. because that's going to take us down this different path. And that different path can still be really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can only have one kid and, and be okay on ourselves. Yeah. Like what you said. Um, yeah. Why a common question that I get from women is why is it hard to, from a male perspective to open up and talk and talk about your emotional process, especially when it comes to infertility as a man, as, as like, a man, yeah, as, as a, a man. man, I think, um, well, there's a million different, right. Answers and to that people question. are so different. Yeah. And people, some people, some people, emotions are so hard, like so hard to access. What you're asking them to do is something that may only happen after years of therapy. You know, right. it's like, how come you can't emotionally dive into this? And they're like, I can't emotionally dive into anything, you know? Right. Um, so there's that. I think probably the biggest thing though is that emotions, these types of emotions are incredibly painful mm -hmm. and we don't like to jump into painful things. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, my specific perspective was that I didn't want to bring up something painful for you. Yes. And I assumed that you were barely hanging on. Right. And that if I was going to be like, so like how much does this suck? You know, like should we stay married? Right. <laughs> you were going to like, that would have just broken you to right. your core. Like I just said before, it's like, it was such a huge, like that was way too big for me to even think. I was so thinking so close to my nose. And I remember you saying, I want to tread lightly. I feel like you said that a lot of like, I just want to tread lightly and see how you're doing. And yeah. it's so true. I was such a roller coaster. Who knows what you were going to hit me at? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where but I was going to be that, in the process. That causes, it caused me a little bit, um, mm -hmm. not towards the end, but in the beginning. And I maybe, maybe a lot of people, mm -hmm. um, it could be the men in your life or it could be someone yeah. who has that same kind of personality. Yeah, exactly. But um, to just pull back and go, oh, this is crazy. Like, let's just, let's just make it through. Mm -hmm. I think, um, so I think what you have to do is you have to invite them in. You have to actually mm -hmm. call it out and say, I want you. I to, need this. Yeah, I need you to ask mm -hmm. me. Even if it does mess me up, I need you it's to. It's like when people yeah. have someone die or they have a miscarriage. People are like, I don't want to bring it up. Maybe they're not thinking about it. And I will never forget having a friend that I grew up with lost her brother at a very young age. And I remember people telling her that all the time. I don't want to bring it up. What is she not thinking about it? And her telling me, I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. Like, and it, and it totally. brings me joy for you to remember him and to ask me how I was doing. And if I cry, I cry. If I want to share a joke about him, I don't. Like, it's like you need, but, but she had to tell us what she needed, that, that she was always thinking about it. And it actually brings honor to that person. Totally. And honor it, to the journey, maybe in this situation, honor to the journey. Yeah. It makes me think of this example of, um, I've used this example before of say you're swimming in a pool, the person standing on the deck kind of doesn't know what's going on under the water. Mm. And you know, as long as your head is above water, they assume that you're okay. You know, they assume that like, well, their head's above water, but you could be like on the verge of drowning, drowning. And you're, you're barely keep your bare kick, kick feet are kicking like crazy. And your hands are like, ah, but your head is above water. Unless you go, help me. I'm about to go underwater. Right. Or you actually go underwater. Then someone on the deck goes, oh my gosh, this person's not doing well. But all the way up to that moment, all the way up to that moment, they think you're fine. So I think that's, that's so good. And I think that's the, pro like the problem is maybe from my perspective, I was thinking, well, she's going to work and yeah. doing the shots. She and got dressed today. It's <laughs> a good start. <laughs> but if you were like, I can't go to work 
and I can't move and I'm going to lay on the bathroom on the floor, I'd be like, oh, something's wrong. Obviously, I would jump in. Right. But all the way up to that moment, I don't know. So that's where right. I'm like, you got to tell me. You got to communicate. You, and then even if... And if they're like, well, I'm telling that person and they're still not jumping in. Right. You have to invite the the pain. You know, like right. I, it's going to wreck me, but I need you to you to ask. I need we need to talk about these yes. things. No more apologizing for tears. What gave you hope for our relationship? Um, and what's the hope for everyone else's relationship, even when you're in the middle of yeah. infertility? Two things I would say, and I know we say this all the time, my therapist, my therapist. <laughs> we really should be getting a commission from- We should. From, I uh, love my therapist <laughs> at that time. She was amazing. Um, she was really gentle with me. But what, like why therapy? Yes. Like, like is there, I, is it just I know. because I needed to talk? Right. Or? No, it was because it helped me in my journey take time away to grieve and to only talk about that and to only talk about myself mm. and what was going on. And when you are in life and you are in treatment, you are thinking about shots and thinking about calendars and thinking about all this stuff that you don't necessarily stop and go, how am I doing emotionally? Yeah. So, but I feel like in a way how it helped in our relationship, what it would, it would and how I always answer of like, how can I get my husband to talk or my boyfriend or whatever, my partner to talk is I would come home and tell you what I was processing. Yeah, that helped a lot. Because I think it helped you go, oh, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, like I remember coming home and being like, I just had a full session about like, what if I never give birth? Yeah, and, th you, and then I was and like, I'm, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if we never give birth? <laughs> exactly which is very intense and not and always that, the therapy session mean, that you have that but third that third party helps a lot because yes. it's not just you know you, you know us back and forth right and i remember she like did it on the slide too she was just like well we just need to probably break we probably need to like thin out every single thing that could possibly happen for you to have your own child and grieve through every single one and i was like oh just like that and she's happy, like happy tuesday yeah. <laughs> and here's a hundred dollar bill i'm like what <laughs> Um, but, and the, one of the things we did a lot was giving birth was that. And so I remember coming home and telling you, I processed, I was starting to process that. And for you to go, I remember we had this one conversation about adoption where you're like, mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to actually grieve that. Whether we have our own biological child or we have an adopted child, it's kind yeah. of the same process for me, except for one part in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's it. And yeah. so you were like, I don't think I even need to process, not that you weren't willing to process it with me and talk about it. It just yeah. wasn't as much of a grieving thing, but that sparked us talking about it. So mm -hmm. I think that's one advice that I, that and I always the, and say to people. And it brought us together. Our perspectives that totally. together was like... We had different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, like, the birthing thing was like, I was going to go to the birthing thing and, like, watch it happen. Right. And then the adoption thing was like, I was going to go to the adoption thing and watch it happen. Exactly. I mean, like, I was going to be in if the room. Mom would let I was going to be yeah. in the room no matter what. Right. Um, and it would for, be the same process. But for you, it was like, I, it was going to happen to me. Yes. But I think us even just coming together to talk about that was healthy. Because yes, it was like... Exactly. Oh yeah, I'm more thinking about this, and you were like, "Well, I'm thinking about this." I was like, "Oh, this is important." Like I have people say to me, like they just won't go to therapy, and I'm like, "That shouldn't stop you." Like, right. that shouldn't stop you. And in a way, not that you were like anti-therapy, you were doing your own other thing, this group therapy thing. But it was like you, I came home, and almost me going to therapy helped you process and help us bring us together. So it's not a death sentence if your partner doesn't want to go to therapy. You should still go, and you should still pursue it. Last thing I would say, the last piece of hope that I would give was I'll never forget a month into adopting our first child after years of infertility and years of treatment was I remember 
him not fixing my identity. I was still Jesse. I still had friends. I still had a job. I still had all these things. And I would say to someone that is struggling with infertility and in the thick of it right now is have hobbies, something that you're doing, something to split up your identity a little bit and not just be the person that's struggling with infertility. Because if you don't catch that and you become pretty all consumed by it, it'll all be all consumed by you when, you ha- when you're a mother too. Forever. Yeah. Forever. It will just be like, I am. And then what? you have a child and then they're 18 and they move out of the house. And it's like, oh no, what am I at now? I remember my mom super struggled with that, having three kids. And when my brother finally moved out of the house, she was like... When he was 37. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew my brother, it would fit perfectly <laughs> that joking. joke. But but it's like she would she had a huge you know identity. Like it was hard for her to have identity. Be, but not that she didn't have other things. But that was really hard for her. So when you're struggling with infertility, try to not make it. I know it's all consuming emotionally, and I totally get that, especially when you're in treatment. And but try to do some things that bring you joy. Yeah. Something that is outside of. And I'm not even saying just like date nights or stuff like that. Like right. that's fine. Date if nights you are good, but date nights are fine. But, but no, I, but no one thing should take over yes. the entirety of your identity yes. ever, ever. Exactly. And some things dominate our time and they dominate our attention, mm-hmm. but not your identity. Totally. That's different. A hundred percent. But it can quickly become that. Oh, for sure. And it can swallow you up. And I feel like, and that doesn't mean that you can't think about it all the time or be consumed by it, but try to give yourself breaks. And I remember being like, I, because when, when our son came into our life, I was like, oh, I was like so all consumed with becoming a mom. And then I became a mom and I'm still the same person and I'm still Jesse and I still have friends and I still have a job and all those things. So I just feel like that is something that is really helpful to do is just try to find ways to sounds like a weird sci-fi movie to be like split up your identity, <laughs> but it's like, it's true. Like have your identity be in other things besides just being struggling with infertility. Because if you, if you only do that, then it will, it may happen even when you're a mom to that, that will be your only identity. And that's not good either. And that's not good for your child. You know what I mean? I remember putting that on him to try to solve that for me and me going, Oh, he's not solving that for me. Not that I didn't love him or he wasn't such a huge part of my life. And you know, but I now as I'm sitting here, I am a mom. I am a foster mom. I am a hairdresser. I am a nonprofit founder. I am a friend. I am an aunt. I'm like you have to have these things spread out or you will just be all consumed and it will may follow you even to parenting or being a mother. So thank you for listening today. We are so happy to have you here. Um, feel free to DM us with any questions or anything on our Instagram. And we're really looking forward to this season. I feel like we're really honing into what our voice is and what our mission is. And we're just really excited to have every single ear. <laughs> it would help us out a ton if you wanted to like to subscribe to our podcast to rate to rate us to leave a review uh you could just write whatever you want down there people should just write us a letter four stars three so you could fax us fax us we'll fill it out for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) or just have you here is enough we're just so excited for everyone to just be here and and every episode goes live on monday so grab a cup of coffee and we will join you for a little monday time talking about infertility and feelings. We hope you all have a great week. So see you next Monday.